Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Keezer, and this is the Son of Man Urantia Project. Today's episode is the first part of Chapter 29, the third preaching tour. On Sunday evening, January 16th, A.D. 29, Abner and John's apostles, who had their headquarters at Hebron, arrived at Bethsaida to meet with Andrew and the other apostles the next morning, as they normally did on occasion. This time around, one of the things that the group discussed was if the apostles should use certain forms of oil to massage the sick in conjunction with their prayers for healing. This was something that John's apostles had practiced for a long time, and they wanted it to be the standard for both groups. Jesus' apostles, though, refused to be bound by the practice. And Jesus, meanwhile, refused to participate in the debate or to comment on their results. The next morning, Tuesday, January 18th, the 75 new evangelists joined the apostles at Zebedee's house in Bethsaida. Everyone started preparing for the third preaching tour, of Galilee, which ends up lasting for seven weeks. The evangelists were sent out in groups of five, and for the first three weeks, Abner and John's apostles went along with them to advise and to baptize believers. Jesus and his twelve apostles stayed together most of the time, with his crew going out in pairs to baptize people as needed. On this trip, they visited everywhere they had already been, Magdala, Tiberias, and Nazareth, as well as all of the other major villages in central and southern Galilee. Except for the northern portion of the land, this was their last work in the area. The Woman's Evangelistic Corps On that Sunday evening, January 16th, Jesus made the most daring and amazing announcement of his time with us on earth. With no warning whatsoever, he told the apostles, Tomorrow we will set apart ten women to minister for the kingdom. Back when Jesus had told everyone to take two weeks off after the second preaching tour, he asked David Zebedee to do two things. First, to ask his parents to come back to their own home. And second, to send out messengers to all of the women who had helped at the large Bethsaida camp and tented hospital, looking for ten women who were devoted to the gospel. These women had all listened in on the teachings given to the new evangelist, but it never dawned on them or anyone else that Jesus would dare to select women to go out and teach the gospel and care for the sick. The ten women that Jesus selected were Susanna, the former chasm of the Nazareth synagogue's daughter, Joanna, the wife of one of Herod Antipas's stewards, Chusa, Elizabeth, the daughter of a wealthy Jew from Tiberias and Sephorus, Martha, Andrew and Peter's older sister. Rachel, 
who was Jesus' brother Jude's sister-in-law. Nasanta, daughter of Elman, the Syrian physician. Milka, one of Thomas's cousins. Ruth, Matthew Levi's oldest daughter. Celta, a Roman centurion's daughter. And Agamon, a widow from Damascus. Later on, Jesus added two more women to the group. Mary Magdalene and Rebecca, daughter of Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus instructed these women to organize themselves, and he told Judas to provide them the money they needed to buy equipment and pack animals. The ten women selected Susanna as their chief and Joanna as their treasurer. From this time on, they furnished their own funds. Never again did they ask Judas for support. Back in that day, when women were not even allowed on the main floor of the synagogue and were instead confined to the women's gallery, it was astonishing to see them authorized to teach the new gospel of the kingdom. The honor that Jesus gave these ten, these ten women when he set them apart to teach the gospel and minister to the sick was the Emancipation Proclamation that set all women free for all time. No more was man to look down on woman as his spiritual inferior. This was a big shock for even the twelve apostles. Even though they had heard the Master before say many times that in the kingdom of heaven there is neither rich nor poor, free nor bond, male nor female, all are equally the sons and daughters of God. They were literally stunned when he actually suggested bringing these ten, ten women on as religious teachers and even permitting them to travel with the group. The whole countryside was stirred up by this action, and Jesus' enemies made a big deal of it. But everywhere, the women who believed in the gospel stood behind their sisters and voiced their approval of Jesus' decision to finally acknowledge woman's place in religion. In the early days of the new Christian church, the apostles and the general population recognized women called deaconesses as teachers of the gospel. But in later generations, the people fell back to their old ways. And Paul, even though he agreed with women's rights in theory, never really practiced it. The Stop at Magdala when the crew would travel, the women took up the rear. When they would hold a meeting, the women sat in a group in the front to the right of the speaker. More and more women were now believing in the gospel, and this had caused some problems and a fair amount of embarrassment when one of them wanted to have a personal talk with Jesus or one of the apostles. Now, though, it was different. When a woman wanted to meet a person with meet in person with Jesus or one of the twelve, they would go to Susanna, who, along with one of the other twelve women evangelists, would take them straight to the person. At Magdala, the women proved their worth and confirmed Jesus' wisdom 
in choosing them for the mission. Andrew had imposed some rather strict rules about men working with women, especially those with questionable character. When everyone got to Magdala, the ten women evangelists were free to enter the brothels and preach the good news in person to all the women working there. And when visiting the sick, these women were able to deeply relate to their sister's problems. One of the results of these ten women, later to be known as the Twelve Women, was bringing Mary Magdalene into the kingdom. A string of bad luck had brought Mary to prostitution. And given the, unfor- and given the unforgiving nature of the Jews, she found herself more or less trapped working in Magdala's brothels. That was until Martha and Rachel made it clear to her that the kingdom of heaven was open to everyone, even people like her. Mary believed them, and the next day, Peter baptized her. Among the twelve woman apostles, Mary Magdalene became the greatest teacher of the bunch. About four weeks after being baptized while at Hotapata, she, along with Rebecca, joined the other ten women working to spread the gospel. Mary, Rebecca, and the other ten women worked faithfully throughout Jesus' life on earth to uplift their downtrodden sisters. And when the final tragic episode in Jesus' life was happening, and all of the apostles but one had fled, they were there, and not one of them ever denied or betrayed our Master. Sabbath at Tiberias Jesus instructed Andrew to let the woman's group conduct the Sabbath services. This, of course, meant that they couldn't be held in the synagogue. So, since Herod was away in residence at Julius in Perea, the Sabbath services were held in his new palace's banquet room. The women chose Joanna to lead the meeting, and she read about women's past work in religion, referencing Miriam, Deborah, Esther, and others. Later in the evening, Jesus gave everyone a talk on magic and superstition. Back in those days, if a new bright star happened to show up, it was thought to be a sign telling people that a great man had been born on earth. Something like this had recently happened. So Andrew asked Jesus if this belief was true. To answer, Jesus gave a talk on the whole subject of human superstition. In summary, he said, 1. The trajectories of the stars in heaven have nothing whatsoever to do with human events on earth. Astronomy is a proper pursuit of science, but astrology is a bunch of superstition that has no place in the gospel of the kingdom. Number two, examining the internal organs of a recently killed animal reveals nothing about the weather, future events, or the outcome 
of human affairs. Three, the spirits of the dead do not come back to communicate with their families or their one-time friends among the living. Four, charms and relics do not heal disease, ward off disaster, or influence evil spirits. The belief in all such material means of influencing the spiritual world is nothing but gross superstition. 5. Casting lots, random selection, may be a convenient way of settling small problems, but it doesn't work to disclose divine will. Such outcomes are purely matters of material chance. The only means of communion with the spiritual world is through the indwelling Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, and the always present influence of the Infinite Spirit. 6. Divination, sorcery, witchcraft, and the delusion of magic are superstitions of ignorant minds, as are the belief in magic numbers and omens signaling good or bad luck. 7. Interpreting, interpreting dreams is mostly a superstitious way of ignorant and fantastic speculation. The gospel of the kingdom must have nothing in common with the soothsayer priests of primitive religion. 8. The spirits of good and evil cannot live in material symbols of clay, wood, or metal. Idols are nothing more than the material of which they are made. 9. The practices of the enchanters, the wizards, the magicians, and the sorcerers came from the superstitions of the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians, and the ancient Canaanites. Amulets and incantations don't make good spirits protect you or ward off supposed evil spirits. 10. Jesus exposed and denounced their belief in spells, ordeals, bewitching, cursing, signs, mandrakes, knotted cords, and all other forms of ignorant and enslaving superstition. Sending the Apostles Out Two by Two The next evening, Jesus held a talk with John's Apostles, his Apostles, and the New Woman's group. He said, You can see for yourselves that it's a full harvest, but we have few laborers. So let us all pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends even more workers into his fields. While I remain to comfort and instruct the younger teachers, I'm sending out the older ones, two at a time, to quickly go, to quickly go through all of Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom while it's still peaceful. Then Jesus paired up the following apostles to head out into Galilee. Andrew and Peter, James and John Zebedee, Philip and Nathaniel, 
Thomas and Matthew, James and Judas Alpheus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas Iscariot. Jesus told these 12 apostles when he would meet them all together in Nazareth, and before they left, he said, On this mission, do not go to any of the Gentile cities or go into Samaria. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and declare the saving truth that man is a son of God. Remember that the disciple is not above his master and a servant is not greater than his Lord. It is enough for the disciple to be equal with his master and for the servant to become like his Lord. If some people have dared to call the master of the house a friend of the devil, you know what they will say. You know that they will say much worse about those in his household. But do not fear these unbelieving enemies. I declare to you that there is nothing covered up that is not going to be revealed. There is nothing hidden that will not be known. What I have taught you in private, preach with wisdom out in the open. What I have revealed to you in the inner chamber, you will in due season proclaim from the rooftops. And I say to you, my friends and disciples, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but who can't destroy the soul. Instead, put your trust in him who is able to sustain the body and save the soul. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet I declare that not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Don't you know that the very hairs of your head are all numbered? So fear not, because you are worth more than a whole bunch of sparrows. Don't be ashamed of my teaching. Go forth proclaiming peace and goodwill, but don't be deceived. Peace will not always attend your preaching. I came to bring peace on earth, but when men reject my division, but when men reject my gift, division and turmoil result. When all of the family receive the gospel of the kingdom, peace abides in the house. But when some of the family enter the kingdom and others reject the gospel, such a disagreement will only produce sorrow and sadness. Work hard to save the whole family so that a man's foes don't become those of his own household. But when you have done all you can for all of every family, know that he who loves their mother or father more than this gospel is not worthy of the kingdom. When a twelve heard these words, they made ready to depart. And they did not come together again until they met at Nazareth to meet with Jesus and the other disciples like the Master had arranged. What must I do to be saved? One evening after Jesus sent his apostles out in Paris to work and John's group had returned to Hebron, Jesus was teaching a dozen of the women and a dozen of the younger evangelists who were still working 
under Jacob's direction. At one point, Rebecca piped up and asked, Master, what do we say when the women ask us, what shall I do to be saved? Jesus said, when people ask you what they should do to be saved, tell them, believe in this gospel of the kingdom and accept divine forgiveness. With faith, know that you have inside of you a spirit of God, which makes you a son of God. Have you read in the scriptures where it says, In the Lord I have strength and righteousness. Also where the Father says, My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will enfold my people. My soul will be joyful in the love of my God, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation and has covered me with the robe of his righteousness. Have you also read about the Father, that his name shall be called the Lord our righteousness? Take away the filthy rags of self-righteousness and clothe my son with the robe of divine righteousness and eternal salvation. It is forever true that just will live by faith. Entrance into the Father's kingdom is wholly free, but progress, growth in grace, is essential to remain in it. Salvation is the gift of the Father, and it's revealed by His sons. Having faith in your salvation makes you a partner of the divine nature, a son or a daughter of God. Your faith justifies you. In other words, your faith saves you. And by acting on this faith, you are forever advanced on the path to divine perfection. By faith, Abraham was justified and made aware of salvation through Melchizedek's teachings. Throughout the ages, this same faith has saved the sons of men. But now, a son has come forth from the Father to make salvation more real and more acceptable. When Jesus quit talking, everyone who heard these gracious words rejoiced. And they all went on in the days that followed, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom with new power, energy, and enthusiasm. And the women rejoiced all the more, knowing that they were included in the plans to establish the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus summed up his final statement, saying, You cannot buy salvation. You cannot earn righteousness. Salvation is the gift of God, and righteousness is the natural result of being led by your spirit as a son of the kingdom. You are not saved because you live a righteous life. Instead, you live a righteous life because you have already been saved. You have already recognized your sonship as a gift of God, and that service in the kingdom of God is the supreme delight of life on earth. When men believe this gospel, which is a revelation of the goodness of God, they will be led to voluntarily stop sinning. The knowing that you are a son of God doesn't fit with wanting to sin. Instead, those who believe in the kingdom hunger 
for righteousness and thirst for divine perfection. Okay, folks, that's it for the first part of chapter 29. We will finish up here with part two in a few days. Defend liberty. Protect our kids. Get out there and find some way to serve man for nothing more or less than the sake of God. We need it, people. Bobby Keezer, out here.